0: Welcome to Graphic Policy Radio, where comics and politics meet. This is your host, Ilana Levin, a.k.a. Twitter's Ilana underscore Brooklyn. This is the show for folks who hope to one day draw connections between climate change messages in the comics page and climate change action in the streets. Joining me today is the newest writer and artist on a classic newspaper strip. Mark Trail is now written and drawn by Jules Rivera, today's guest. Jules is the second Latina woman to become a nationally syndicated comic strip artist, cartoonist. Jules brings her background in engineering and lifelong interest in nature and the environment to Mark's adventures. And, you know, people in plaid fighting for trees didn't start at the Seattle World Trade protests. It stems from a longer American tradition, sometimes illustrated quite literally in the Daily Paper, Created by artist and naturalist Ed Dodd in 1946, Mark Trail was an environmentalist before it was fashionable to be one and like wearing his flannels before they came back again for the second time in my life. Um, Mark's mission has always been that of preserving the American wilderness, water and wildlife for future generations. The comic has been awarded more than 30 conservation awards from private organizations and government agencies, including the American Waterfowl and Wetlands Association the Georgia Wildlife Association, the National Forest Association, the National Wildlife Federation, U.S. Coast Guard, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Today, Mark Trail is syndicated to nearly 150 newspapers and digital news outlets across the country. Welcome to the show, Jules.
1: Yes, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the warm welcome. Um I I I came to uh I came to slay things. Let's let's do this. Let's let's have some Yay. conversations about
0: things. You know, it's really funny. I um, I kind of had gotten out of the habit of reading the weekly comic strips. Um, when the world pivoted to when I stopped picking up the Alt Weekly in New York, like when the when the Village Voice died, you know. Um, oh and then god, pen... that broke
1: my heart. The Village Voice yeah. dying. Oh god. I, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. I hate yeah. capitalism. I mean, really. Ugh. I know. I mean, I got so much. I I I learned about New York politics initially, like from the Village Voice. Like the Village like Voice I, was
1: a cornerstone yeah. for so many. Like it was, really, it was a cornerstone for me. Like when I was growing up, my mom was like, "Yeah, you want to see the indie paper? That's the Village Voice." To <laughs> just get eaten of. I'm like, ah, I hate everything. Oh, wh- where did you grow up? Oh, um, I'm originally from the Bronx. Which oh shit, which okay. Very, very co- directly ties into my Mark Trail origin story because. I am a person who has been affected by environmental climate as re- mm-hmm. along the lines of race. See, the Bronx has the worst air quality in, in probably at the very least in new, all of New England, but definitely in the country because we have the highest incidence of juvenile asthma in yep. in the Bronx. And hi, yo, that's me. I've had asthma my whole life and it definitely affected me growing up as a kid. I was always that girl in the bubble um um, it was it was bad but you know I grew up in the Bronx for the first seven years of my life which I know people hear that and go that's not Bronx enough and I'm like okay but listen though I was still raised by Bronx people when I got to Florida Mm -hmm. it's not the Bronx came with me so I still have to disclaim everyone (laughs) when I meet them I'm like no you don't understand I'm from the Bronx I'm gonna say something to you all right like you say, if you say some dumb stuff to me, we're going to have words. All right. So just please be aware you're stepping in a minefield. It's going to get bad. Just, you know,
0: give people a heads up. It's nice. Well, that's a really great point about the Bronx. Like, I, I think that the the movement to talk about environmental justice through the lens of environmental racism specifically is something I identify with Bronx activists and, and you know, fo- like following their leadership on on that issue. Like when I was Sort of first becoming aware of environmental racism, rather than just thinking about like save the trees, the Bronx was you know kind of the center of that conversation.
1: And and um, s- and so it should be because it's still the center of juvenile asthma. All of New York still treats the Bronx like it's their uh, it's like their air quality toilet. It's just that's yep. the damn. And we yep. don't talk about environmental racism because it's hard to make the connections. It's really easy for people to hand wave and go. It's not racism. What are you talking about? Because a lot of that going around. It's not racism. You don't. Th- you are seeing wacky things, and I'm like, really? I'm just because uh, I turned blue at the age of one and almost died. So, um, Jesus, that didn't. Yeah, that didn't happen because of funsy times. Because ooh, someone accidentally fumigated the Bronx. No, they treat the Bronx like the toilet. Okay, it's just mm-hmm. what they
0: do, and I'm not gonna sit here and act like they don't. So I, I first really began, like, even though I grew up with Mark Trail in the newspaper and and I grew up in a household that talked about the environment and a lot, I didn't really quite make the Mark Trail and environmentalism connection until I saw T from King Features uh, doing some tweets of Mark Trail strips and talking about Mark Trail. And then I had a click in my head where I was like, oh, my God, this comic has such huge potential to be a tool for education around Climate change, the environment, and everything—and it always has really been about conservation. Uh, I'd love to hear, like, you know, I—I I was this something that you had thought about before you came into Mark Trail, or is it a connection that you that you drew, like, when when folks reached out to you to work on the series?
1: I would say it's the latter. Um, it was the connection that I drew when people reached out to me, but um, at the same time, I instantly got it: um, mm-hmm. environmental justice. And nature conservation, they're two, they're they're two, they're under the same umbrella, right? It's the mm-hmm. same thing. So, um, you know, I, I thought back to when Mark Trail started because I did a lot of research into the strip when I started interviewing and when I started, you know, just you know building up uh, towards uh possibly taking up the gig. I did a lot of research. I really, you know, just looked into the past and really tried to understand what made Mark Trail Ma- Mark Trail. Hi, I'm an engineer. I reverse engineered Mark Trail. So um, <laughs> I um, so in doing that research, I begun to see that at, at the comic's very inception, because the problem with the comic is that it had stagnated over time, right? Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of stuck to doing the same three or four storylines that it had been doing since the 40s. And like in the 2000s. And I'm like, guys, it's been 60 years. You, you can't think of anything new to talk about. Um, so I, w- I looked back at the comic at its inception and I realized this comic was actually metal as hell when it first started. Like, OK, think about it. What was going on in the 1940s, um, you know, in America at the time? It came out in 1947. That would be, we're just on the end of um, winning World War II. You know, everybody's bragging about it. And, like, I hate to say it, but, like, that's the only thing white guys were required to care about back then. Bragging about winning World War II. We won the war! Now we're going to make a bunch of babies about it. Surely none of those babies are going to cause any trouble for anyone later, right? (laughs) Oh, God! Um, anyway, so at that time, that was America's Mindset. So for Mark Trail, a strip that comes out that makes you care about animals and the wilderness and the environment, because Mark Trail starts off as a veteran who gets saved by his St. Bernard dog, Andy, right? Um, so that was actually really, really ahead of its time. You know, a dude was not required to care about literally anything except American nationalism. But here you got this guy caring about nature, which is light years ahead of its time. Pretty much the only person, um, there weren't that many public figures that were like, right. Hey man, don't mess up nature. Like pretty much the only one I can think of before Ed Dodd and, uh, you know, the likes of them. I'm sure there have been others, but the one that sticks out in my mind is Teddy Roosevelt. So, mm. um... Like, it's not a lot of representation there. So when it comes out in the 40s, you've got... And also, the very first appearance of Cherry Trail, when I first read that, I was like, this is so amazingly metal. It, it was actually harder than anything I would have thrown at, uh, at Mark Trail. Like, Ed <laughs> Dot is actually drawing Cherry... Um, Cherry, she um, she's partying with this bear swear to you this is the real thing that he drew and i'm like this is so amazingly crazy like you have cherry davis and she's having this real um tiger king moment where she's just chilling (laughs) with this bear and that's what it looks like to me i'm like what in the tiger king mess is this um she's chilling with this bear and mark sees a girl with a bear and obviously he gets freaked out it's like oh my gosh i guess we're gonna protect this girl from the bear So he hits the bear with a stick, but then the girl's like, hey, don't you hit my bear! And then, I, yeah, like, she straight slaps him across the face, like, really, really hard. I'm like, oh my word, even I wouldn't have done anything that hard. Like, maybe she might shove him or say, hey, Buster, what do you think you're doing? But no, she straight hits him in the face! And it is really, really, really metal for its time. So I thought, let's revisit that and just update it for the 20th century. And in the 20th century, Mark Trail is actually confronting political issues because we are coming into a time where we have to care about politics or we're going to die. Hi, yeah. 20 years invested on making South Park jokes has actually caught the capitalists to almost kill us. Oh, no. So um, that, yeah. that that, I think, provided a really great opportunity to evolve Mark Trail into something that can talk about environmental racism issues, about climate change, about the hard stuff that previous artists had honestly shied away from because they were too busy being a steward to the legacy. And don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong, that's a noble goal. I I want to be as good a steward to the March Trail legacy as anyone. But at the same time, being a good steward of the legacy means that you don't let it stagnate. It's like you see this garden and it's all like, Eee. It's kind of a mess because I got into gardening over the summer. That was like my apocalypse hobby. <laughs> Everyone got into oh, baking, nice. I got into gardening. Um, and and so it's you know, I felt like Martrell was like this kind of neglected garden where a lot of stuff was overgrown and uh half dead and kind of eh, it's just it just looked real kind of in need of some help. So I got in there. Yeah. So uh, the way I see it is I'm just rehabbing the garden that was already there. I didn't plant it. I'm just rehabbing it and just adding some fun new exotic plants to make it more fun and cute and interesting.
0: You know, we happen to know for a fact scientifically that one of the reasons why um, men are statistically speaking less likely to be concerned about climate change or take action um, like in in a pro-environment fashion is because they view it as unmasculine. And so the potential of a strip where you have like a serious, like, mo- you know, not thesis he's a macho man, but an icon of traditional masculinity in many ways, modeling, caring for the environment is something that men should care about is, is really huge potential because like their masculinity complex is an actual barrier to the continuation of life on this planet in a whole number of ways, but certainly also in terms of climate change. So I, I'm really excited about that in particular. The fact that you have just told
1: me a child of the 90s who lived under Captain Planet, the manliest man. Don't tell me that green mullet wasn't amazing. Don't it even. Was, it and was. then Don Cheadle came back and did a little skit about it and made it also very cool. <laughs> like, don't tell me that Captain Planet is not manly AF, and then you want to talk to me about, oh, but the environmentalism is girl stuff. Excuse you, do you live on this planet too? What? Like, yeah. pick up your fist. These guys are tearing the world apart, and you're just sitting here going, well, that's not very manly. You know what's not manly? Not doing something when bad guys are running wild. That's not manly. Thank you. Boom, boom. Yeah. So I I, wanted to engineer Mark Trail into the kind of guy who is proactive about this stuff, who is like,
0: no, this is messed up and will throw hands about it. And in your very first storyline, you're having him deal with like farm, farm, farm based pollution, like specifically. Okay,
1: I'm. For those of you who don't know, I just want to do a little exposition about what the farm-based pollution is and what it is and why it's very, very crappy. Literally. Um, so, what happens in farming in Florida, and this has been going on for a while, uh, is the overuse of chemical fertilizers to um, to uh, on farms. And the reason why a lot of chemical fertilizers are being used is because a lot of these plants are not native to Florida. You have to use a lot more juice to keep these crops growing and growing and growing. So, the problem with using all this chemical fertilizer is that it goes into the water. And uh, because this um, fertilizer contains, I think it's like nitrate compounds and stuff. I'm trying to remember yeah. off the top of my head. When that chemical enters the water, um, the water, in the aquatic environment cyanobacteria have a little party and a field day. They're like, "Wee!" Because the stuff that makes plants grow on the surface makes the cyanobacteria go wild. And you know what it does? It turns the water into toxic gross sludge. You can't swim in it. Fish die in it. It's actually disgusting. It actually stinks. I like, it just smells like toxic sludge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's actually because the cyanobacteria is going out of control. It's kind of like If you leave something gross in your fridge and it just goes, that's bacteria. It's having a field day decomposing whatever food you're leaving out and uh, you have to get rid of it. All right. That excess of bacteria is actually what causes all that toxic crap. So in the comic, I wanted to show uh, Mark Trail's dad, who had previously never been introduced, um... Cause I mean, I had asked. I was like, okay, so what's Mark's family like? Maybe we'll, I'll just stir up some family drama. Mark doesn't have a family, and I'm like, what? Da, da, da. <laughs> what a family? I am amazed that in seventy what was it seventy four years of this comic strip, nobody thought to give Mark Trail a family, like a dad and a mom. Like, did they? Did he sprout from the sea? What? I'm just, I was so <laughs> confused. I was like, how is this possible? So. I decided to just go with the most obvious, in my opinion, elegant solution. Mark Trail is a descendant of Mark Trail because there have been three other designs for Mark Trail in the past. So I figured, you know what? Let me give those little dude, those little design guys from the past, you know, the way Ed Dodd drew them, the way Jack Elrod drew them, the way James Allen drew them. Let me give all these little dudes roles in the story and what they are, who are literally Mark's ancestors. Mark is the descendant of. uh uh, four generations. He's the fourth generation of nature guys who've cared about wilderness and you know did wilderness stuff. And um and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a lot of fun exploring, you know, some of the past guys in the strip. So it gives a chance for the the mark trails of the past to kind of come back. Because it is true, I get a lot of emails, not a lot of emails, but I sometimes get emails from people going, bring back the old style. And I get it, you're attached to a thing, and then I change the thing, and then you're like, no, you changed the thing! So I will bring back the nostalgia moments every so often. Um, But anyway, Mark's dad is a guy with a farm, and he has a um, trail mix company called the Happy Trail Farm. Um, and he, uh, and he is committing this environmental abuse from this farm that he bought from a friend of his. And, uh, people are starting to get lit up in the comments in the, uh, in the Comics Kid website because this friend happens to be black. And it's important to note that hand-in-hand hand with environmental racism is the racism part. And this is a way of re-examining of what racism can look like. Because I feel like a lot of people are not educated as to what it looks like. And so they just look at a situation and go, well, that's not really racism. That's just that's just a business deal that went bad. And I'm like, yeah, but the business deal could go south without with Jolly Roger. Jolly Roger is a farm friend that... You know that Mark Mark Trail's dad had made friends with, and this is all canon in the strip that I've made. So, um, so Jolly's an easy mark. That's how the racism rolls into it because it's easy. Like if it was one of Happy Trail's golf buddies from Palm Spring or not Palm Springs. Sorry, I mean California, Palm Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Not West Palm Beach. That that place is trashy. <laughs> but if it had been one of his golf buddies from Palm Beach, things would have turned out very different. Happy Trail can't steal from that guy without a big crazy fuss. But mm-hmm. somebody with less resources, somebody with less recourse from the government, someone with less assistance, yeah, it's a lot easier. It's and that's the point I'm trying to make. So, yeah. and the craziest thing with Happy Trail is that. He is not entirely like you look at his face and all of the drawings and this all the stuff is dropping this week. You look at his face and all the drawings that I make of, you know, him on the farm, he's oblivious to what he's doing. He doesn't actually know that he's the bad guy. And that's gonna be the bomb drop of all the story because it's a big it's it's when people have to learn that, yeah, actually maybe you have been the bad guy, that maybe you've been telling yourself some lies that a situation was okay when maybe it really wasn't, you know? And that's the kind of nuance I want to get into. Everybody thinks that it's all about, oh my God, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm stirring it up. I'm going to cause a heat riot in Mark Trail. Like, you know, <laughs> it's about loving nature enough to push someone, to put your fist in someone's face about it. And sometimes, yes, it's about loving your fellow man enough to stand up for him and say, this wasn't right. This
0: isn't okay. You know, hi, human nature is nature too. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of these characters, you know, I like. I I what I wasn't growing up. I didn't read the the Monday Monday through Friday Mark trails that were sort of the soap opera driven ones. I only read the weekend, um, and you know, animal nature spotlight ones. Yes. Are the characters that you have? It seems like a lot of the characters you have in it are ones who are from you know, longstanding from from the strict, standing characters from Mark Trail. Yeah. Yes. So you've done an interesting job sort of like taking the existing character designs and reimagining them and updating them and also making them more diverse and representative of what America actually looks like. What is the process for approaching a redesign of, of this these characters that would have such a long history and making them feel contemporary again?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's funny. Some of the characters, I didn't really update all that much, like... Um like, Mark's editor, Bill, I left him exactly the same. <laughs> that was the funniest thing of all. He's the one guy I was like, nope, leave him alone. Keep him completely untouched. Because I wanted to think about how these characters would look in today's lens, right? Like, mm-hmm. Cherry Trail, for example. She was, like, maybe the biggest uh, surprising update. Um, you know, I gave her kind of a smart new hairdo. Kind of give her an undershave. Kind of made her a bit it's more cute. of, like, a cute hippie chick look. And uh, I gave her a gardening business. Because I thought... What kind of a woman is gonna be wa- is gonna want to be married to a crazy nature dude who just explodes things and he's this chaotic? Like, what kind of woman would be <laughs> into that and go yes, sign me up? Because I can think of a lot of women who would go no, no to all that. Swipe left because um, Mark's cute but he's trouble. So, um, mm-hmm. so I figured Cherry would also be her own flavor of nature person. But because I was getting into gardening at the time, I was like easy fit. She's a gardener. There, I love done. It. Um, So gardening kind of... And she would also... in like Remember, she had that Tiger King moment literally in her introduction. So she also loves animals too. It's just we see her in the context of nature taking care of her plants a lot. Um, Because I just kind of wanted to give her own personality. Mark cares about animals. She cares about plants. It's like complimentary, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I would just imagine each of these characters in a modern lens and how they would um, update. And like some of the characters are not all like super mega modern updated like with um doc davis i updated him to basically look like dale from the ranch like i'm like i wanted to look like that guy because he looks like a human emoji he's just smiling and i'm like i like that guy's smile so yeah i just made him look like kind of more up- modern kind of i mean literally same character in the show is a uh is a vet so i'm like this is easy <laughs> um I, as mark himself i i just reimagined him as i'm like Okay, if you were being cast in a show today, who would probably be tapped to play him? Or like, what are the same three or four actors? And I'm like, eh, most like my easiest guess is like John Hamm. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, John Hamm T- was the are. easy
1: guess. I'm like, he just had, like the lowest of hanging of fruit. It's basically on the ground, just pick it up. So, um, yeah, and also he's tr- and also John Hamm wants to get away from doing that crappy, <laughs> you know, Don Draper crap. So Mark is like mm-hmm. an anti Draper. Mark trail is not selfish. He is, well, he's a little, he's a, he's a little self obsessed, but he's not like selfish, not to the scale right. of Draper. So, you know, I, I just figured John Hamm, perfect. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just imagining everything with a modern lens. And, you know, he's that classic nature daddy look and the classic nature daddy thing's already there. I just, you know, modernized it. It's, it and like it's,
0: and it's hot, like it's hot right now. So it like works in the modern and classic context. Exactly. So,
1: you know, I just wanted to have throwbacks to the the retro stuff that made Mark Trail great, but just give a little more modern flavor, just any little bits and pieces here and there.
0: I don't want to rewrite all of the universe because then it wouldn't be Mark Trail anymore. It would just be some other thing. Well, that's why I think like the hair redesign for Cherry is so genius is because the very top of her hair where it's sort of wavy and parted in the side is the classic hair. And then it's got the undercut underneath it. So you're like working with this iconic hairstyle and then updating it.
1: I so that's, it, you that know? I can't
0: even take credit for that. That was a suggestion
1: of my editors. They're like, yeah, just keep the hair short. Yeah, keep it short, but like still familiar, but then like updated. I'm like, oh, and I, and I tried it out in the design and I'm like... You know, it
0: actually looks really good.
1: I like this.
0: You know, so uh,
1: I owe I owe that to my editors. Big ups, my peeps. What up to you? Aw.
0: yeah. Well, you know, this is definitely my first time I've actually like caring and being invested in the soap opera of the story itself. And, you know, at the end of each strip, there's basically a da, 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 moment about what is going to be coming next from mm-mm, the mm-mm. family drama and environmental drama. How do you work out in, you know, a comic strip format having a, a, the beats so that every strip is making you need to read the next one?
1: Okay. Um, I've written comics long enough to know how to end on a rising note or how to end on a cliffhanger. Like, I figured out, okay, these this is where in the story this feels like a cliffhanger. This is where it feels like a cliffhanger. Not everything has to be a huge mega cliffhanger, you know? Like, I've also learned to be a little kinder to myself. Like, not everything has to be, like, (gasps) huge drama, but certainly a note that makes you go, hey, wait, what? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, learning how to end on the funny beats or end on the the dramatic Mm. beats. It's learning how to basically learn how to play piano. So, um... So uh, I've just figured out where in the stories to, you know, kind of rake the strip so that it ends on a rising note. And it's very organized. I, I got, you know, a very you know set up, you know, Google Doc and everything. And I always do everything week by week. People don't notice exactly how numerical and methodical my, my uh, strategy is. But hmm. every week in the story is like a scene in a movie, right? Or like a scene in a TV show. Every week is a scene, right? And in that scene, I'm like, okay, I have to make such-and-such such happen in this particular, quote, scene of the comic. So I write the story to build up to the scene and build up to the scene and build up to the scene, and then the scene happens, and uh, and the key of writing is enter late, leave early. So that is how you make cliffhangers happen. You And you leave early. You're like, here's some information. Okay, bye, now we're going to go. And people are like, wait, 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 wait. You know, give them just enough to keep them wanting more. Just here's some, And then we're going to go. Like, wait. Like... I could get, I continually disappoint people. No, that's not true. I always do all around the payoff. But, um, oh but, yeah. yeah. So every week is a scene. And sometimes I, and in the case of, um, there's an action piece scene that's coming up that actually turned into three weeks of, uh, of writing, but it's because I really wanted it to be a very big action set piece. Like I was just like, I want to Jerry Bruckheimer this mess. <laughs> um i like it's 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 pretty intense i just finished drawing it and uh it i'm just like yes this is this is probably some of the best work i've ever done in my career <laughs> oh that's amazing action and this intense action piece here let me just tease the fans yes and it involves speed boats oh yes it does oh but not oh. the punisher just speed boats not the punisher on a speedboat just speed boats mark himself is the punisher but in a worse way <laughs> Yay! Oh, God, it is such a mess! So that's why I, I, I get oh, to wow. writing the sequence. So it was originally only a week long, and I'm like, no, this needs to be bigger. So I, I actually made it as, like, and in my mind, a little three-act story. <laughs> I, I, that's I, really I, I neat. But, it. like, um, I think it
0: points to, you know, I, I had gotten out of the habit of reading daily strips and then, well, you know, at the death of the Village Voice. And then during... um. During COVID, I I found like kind of accidentally through Instagram, I started reading um, Simon Hanselman's uh, Meg, Mog and Owls Crisis Zone uh, comic strip, which is basically a daily series that exists on Instagram, and it's really amazing, but it's also upsetting. But it's also I mean it's supposed to be. And I I when I when I saw that you were writing Mark Trail, I was like I want to start checking this out, and then checking Mark Trail every day kind of became my daily comic strip checking thing that was also but like i but i knew wasn't gonna like be upsetting upsetting do you know what i mean um and like be, and, and so that was kind of a good it was sort of a good counterbalance for my like daily or <laughs> attempting to at least be daily comics yeah
1: comics yeah that reading. sounds like a hard back and forth of first it's like <laughs> hard but and then mark trails kind of like a chaser you know it's it's fun and peppy without being too hard i mean yes the strip that literally ran today as of this recording um was hard af where we talk about racism in florida but Mm -hmm. otherwise i I did i did it in a way where it's not too horrible because you know i know um people of color read my work too and i don't want to make mark trail into an actually traumatizing experience for anyone so um So yeah, I mean, we do talk about some hard stuff, but for the most part, it's not handled in a way that's like, oh my God, it's super duper heavy. Like, you know. Yeah, well, it's
0: handled in a way that makes me feel glad that it's there and also makes it, it it makes the issues feel seen in a way that would frankly be, it would be irritating if these things weren't addressed. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, how can you have a comic that's talking about conservation and not talk about these things that are actually central? I mean, and Mm -hmm. the disconnect between how folks have talked about you know, saving this animal, saving that animal, and then the and broader we're like, problem causes. Hi, let's save all causes. of the animals right yeah. now because we're all going to exactly. die if we don't make
1: exactly. climate change. All the animals are screwed. So, um, yep. yeah, So, and, and it's enough to get flipped out about them. Like we've been having this conversation for thirty years, and the capitalists keep winning, and I am sick of it. They sold us. to, I mean, okay, let me, I'm going to stop myself before we get going off on a total rant. Well, the point. But yeah, is... Yeah, I mean,
0: it's so good to have that in Mark in Mark yeah. Trail. Like, it belongs in Mark Trail, and it, it would yes. be irritating for it to continue to not being in it. You know, like that would just be wrong. <laughs> oh well, well, I am happy to give things to the world, and I do. Re-
1: I try really hard on those Sunday strips to make them really fun and cute and engaging and entertaining. Although people have complained, they're like, "You put the text in balloons and text boxes. That's so hard." And I'm like, just read the. Words on the page pops. It's not that hard. Just... Wow. I, I work really hard because, you know, there has actually been an absence of science edutainment. I think mainly because people in charge don't know how to do it in a way to make it fun. They they suck at it. Yeah, it's true. Like, hi, you're bad at your job. I'm better than you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so that's why I want to approach uh, the Mark Trail Sunday strips. You know, with kind of a fun levity but um, but also an in, in interest in draw, giving out real hard science facts. Like I throw yep. out numbers and stuff and compared to real world experiences like this peacock screaming so loud, it's like a jet taking off. You know, just show a jet taking off. and You know, make it feel like more of an experience than
0: just guy on screen talking about a beaver. You know, like yeah. give it more life. I mean, you could only talk about a beaver so many times also. So... Exactly. I'm also
1: trying to find <laughs> yeah. weird animals, because that's another thing. I am a weird animal connoisseur. Well, I mean, not connoisseur, Ooh. that's a wrong word for it, but I'm a fan. I, I'm a fan of really weird animals. Like, give me all the information about gators you can put in my face, please. Let's talk about this. I'm literally writing a strip about opossums today. And I really <laughs> I have to, I, by the way, I really have to push to say the O in that word, because I'm so used to being from Florida, like, what that possum over there? And I'm like, possum getting in my yard? <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, but yeah like i'm a fan of really really bizarre and weird looking animals because it's fun <laughs> because like look at that crazy guy over there like um i'm inc- incorporating a lot of like ibises into the strip coming up um, a lot of weird birds because yeah, shape- yeah because the shapes and everything are fun it's just it's mm-hmm. just neat like hey nature's fun let's look at it Wee.
0: I do bird watching, so I'm very excited to hear about all your weird birds who are coming oh, up. Oh,
1: I, oh weird, I'm a definite weird bird fan, for sure. Like, this past Sunday was about peacocks.
0: So, yes. Um, oh, I enjoyed the peacocks drama and illustrations so very much. Yes. I'm. You know, you brought up something, though, about, like, these different animals. Is I, I'm definitely more aware of this sort of physical, natural world setting of the comic right now. Like, I hadn't realized that Mark Trail predominantly took place in Georgia, which of course makes the fact that folks are currently on a road trip in Florida make a lot of sense because that's like right there. Yeah, um, and, you know, we, you grew up in Florida. We
1: kind of make Lost Forest location a little bit nebulous. It's a little bit it's mm-hmm. like Springfield, USA. And I have a couple of ideas to make that even more fun and interesting so that we're really not sure where the hell Lost Forest even is. Ah, okay. But- but it is true that the previous artists of Mark Trail all came from Marietta, Georgia, or Marietta, some. I, don't know. I think it's Marietta. Yeah, Marietta. Hmm. So they came from Marietta, Georgia, which is this one little town in Georgia. Uh, Rosemary Dodd Ed's widow still lives out there. Um, and uh, you know, I can understand how there it's this's got this kind of family vibe to it. In this, uh, you know, family atmosphere. But, you know, dynasties don't last forever. That's just the truth. So, you know, we had to branch out, so to speak, and, uh, you know, get a new artist with some new uh, input. So that, well, so Lost Forest, yeah, I did make it kind of georgia Appalachian like So a trip to Florida, yeah, do not take that
0: long. Yeah, true. Um... And there's yet- great potential because you've been able to use that to introduce new animals. Like I, I've, I've been to Florida a bajillion times on account of having had grandparents living there, but I was unaware of the Cuban tree frogs and their face jumping p- potential until I read this strip. You did not know they could do that? Oh, God. Oh, we didn't see know? them in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. I just I, they didn't do that that well, I saw. Well, we had Lauderdale. lizards that got flattened and certainly alligators walking around the retirement community. Oh, well, but yeah. I did not know about the tree frogs. Oh, the tree... Yeah, up in Orlando, yeah, we get tree frogs. Because my, my, the
1: reason that inspired this trip in the first place was my family sometimes gives me updates. Just, hey, here's how we're doing. And then they will include some wacky nature stuff. And yes, there was a tree frog incident, wherein <laughs> my sister had to clear out a tree frog that got in the house. And yes, sometimes they just get in the house, and they're stuck to a wall, and you have to be really careful in how you approach them. Because, yes, they will attack your face. At least they know that if the big scary predator comes at them, if they play Shadow of the Colossus with you, they might win. So, huh.
0: so I love yeah, it. you
1: have to be real careful. Come at in from the side. But they're so fast. You just, you, you're just hanging out. Wow. So that's the no, animal of That is land. so true.
0: That is so true. And I, I just think it's really cool to be able to have these different settings and, like, have the road trip as an excuse to introduce different kinds of animals and settings to the Strip, you know? Well, I want – that's what's so exciting about this opportunity.
1: Like, I, I I really get to um research new animals and just learn new facts and also learn facts about animals I already knew about. But, like, I, you know, learn even new things. Like, did you know the ibis is actually the mascot for UM? I didn't know I did this. did not. I, d- I didn't either. And it wasn't until I started researching ibises, because ibises are thug AF. They're real thug. If you see an ibis walking around, he's not alone. He's usually a bunch of them just walking around like they own the place. They're like, what? Do something. <laughs> Shut up. They're very Bronx. So um, so it, was, it wasn't until I did the research on the ibis that I saw that the UM mascot, that bird guy, is an ibis. And I'm like, I never put that together, but it makes perfect sense. Because it's spiritually true. If you've ever seen an ibis, you're like, yeah, yeah, he got that vibe. That crusty, mean sailor vibe. Yeah, they got that vibe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Are there other places in the country that you definitely want to have the characters explore?
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, 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 okay. We had been talking about Utah because of the weird monolith thing in Utah. Um, New Hampshire had a story about a libertarian town that got eaten by bears. so that's right that's i'm like bookmarked (laughs) oh man definitely that um i i i want to i, I want to take a storyline to arizona so um uh, there's all kinds of weird animals in arizona like i'm pretty sure they got mexican beaded lizards out there which are really um these fun little poisonous little doodads. well they're not poisonous they're um venomous that's right Be- Poisonous means ah. if you eat it you die Ven- venomous means it can actually inject you with a thing but it gets to live and go away so uh, it's a venomous <laughs> lizard and, uh, yeah, it's, it kind of just looks like a little fat chubby guy, but he's made of little orange and black beads and he's real cute. Like you would make a really good Mark trail strip oh, right no. there. And also scorpions are in Arizona. Like I yeah. could have a field day, uh, where else, where else, where else? Oh my God. Well, Texas, I'm sure I could have a field day in Texas, Like which part of Texas, the Oklahoma part of Texas or the Gulf, like, you know, mm-hmm. and also way more aquatic stories. That's another thing. Mark's going to get Way, way, way more into water stories. Um, number one, because speedboat chases are literally the most fun thing I've ever drawn in a long time. So, yes, I'm definitely going to have to go back there. Um, but also because I'm a surfer and right. I like I'm a water creature. So, I want to bring that to Mark Trail. I cannot get over the Mark Trail has gone to Hawaii umpteen bazillion times and nobody taught him how to surf. Ooh! This is why you need to branch out, because no one in Marietta, Georgia, surfs. Right,
0: right, right.
1: They're too far. That's going to be hand.
0: really neat. That's going to be really neat. Like I, 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 right now, especially since we can't really travel. I like being able to have you know these different settings and and places that you can go in the strip is really cool. Yeah,
1: little adventures in your mind, right? Like literally, part of my test art included Mark trying to surf <laughs> and failing. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah how how did
0: you how did you like get scouted and 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 come on board for the strip well um
1: the editors had contacted me um they were talking about uh you know updating the um the artist for the strip and um and then there was a parting of ways that I didn't anticipate but there was a parting of ways and he departed the strip sooner than expected so I was like okay i'm I'm in gear I'm doing this like I got the message that you got to do the art test and the message that oh no the thing. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to get on this then. Jump on it. Because that just seemed like to me a big sign. Like when (laughs) It's such a sign from the universe where you hear that drama happened and then you hear, here's your art test. That's just, that's the call to duty. Like, it's a battle cry. Let's go. And yes, I put up a really good fight to get Mark Trail. I was like, I want this strip. I can do nature daddy. Let me at him. So, um... (laughs) yeah I worked really hard to try on that uh, on my test. I made a uh, a strip about Pablo Escobar's hippos, which is an oh, absolute, I saw that it's an so cool. absolutely bananas cuckoo crazy thing that actually one of the previous artists had done a strip on. but I was like, well, let me do my own take on this. it, gave it more of my more of a Miami vice vibe because like the previous mm-hmm. artist didn't include Pablo Escobar in the strip. and I'm like, how are you gonna make a strip about Pablo Escobar with no Pablo Escobar in it? I'm confused. I mean, he's a historical figure. You can look him up. He's on Wikipedia. Um, so I, I decided to reapproach that strip, but with but like a bit more of the narco's angle, but also from the angle of people in Colombia who are presently stuck with hippos that are now living here, and they're like, "I ain't moving that guy," or "You no, I ain't moving him." No. <laughs> well, I guess we got hippos now. Like that's that's kind of the angle I wanted to provide. Because it's such an insane situation. And I think that it's easy to get caught up in the politics of Co- Pablo Escobar without just sitting there and appreciating. Colombia is has hippos because one crazy drug cartel crazy guy with too much money happened to be a hippo daddy. That alone is insane. That is bonkers yeah. and we need to observe that. Like, Look at the crazy thing. So that's what yeah. I wanted to include in uh, in my art test, and also, you know, draw mark surfing because, like, that's an easy get for me. I'm like, hey, like <laughs> when I did Popeye's um 90th um anniversary cl- for uh, Popeye's Comics Club uh, last year, that's originally how uh, I got to know the uh, the editors at King Features, how I got to know T and everyone, uh, because T scouted me for Popeye. So for Popeye, I had no idea what kind of a strip to draw. I was like am drawing a blank i don't know what popeye should be doing and i'm like well he's a seafaring guy so i asked Sam, like yo is anyone drawing him surfing (laughs) like (laughs) easy trump card because nobody in comics draws surfing because surfing is wildly (laughs) physical and spongy little comic artists do not do this thing that's just my own flavor of crazy and uh and so yeah to like yep Yep. Nobody's drawn Popeye surfing. So I made a comic about Popeye surfing where he falls into seaweed and he's like, that's the first time seaweed hates me. <laughs> oh, so, I love um, it. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I just threw that energy at it because it always pops. Like, it's like if you're a surfer, you're an actual action hero. Hi, you're trying to ride tides, channels of water in order to, um, just go forward on the ocean. Like, it's insane. Um... So I, I threw everything I had at this thing. And, and uh, yeah, I was really, really elated to get the call that I was like, nope, you're in. You are Mark Trails' dad now. Well, I started calling myself Mark Trails' dad. But they were like, you're the <laughs> art Mark Trail artist. But I say I'm Mark Trails' dad just to kind of have a cute like, way to kind of introduce myself to the new public. Like, I'm not, I'm, I didn't create him. You know, I'm just the next steward on the project taking care of the thing. I guess a caretaker would also imply, you know, apply. But like, come on, I got to wear dad's sweater and my little comic that I made about, hey, I'm Mark Trail's dad now that I made in my own comic strip, Love Jewels, which I'm just pulling out of the gutter now because I've been so tired from teaching and in a pandemic and also making Mark Trail in a pandemic. It's been a lot.
0: Yeah, it's it it really is a crazy time to be doing this. Um, But hopefully, you know, there's more people even reading it now and we can like, pointed to it as a moment of real growth or for, for comic strips. Oh, for sure. Wood.
1: for sure. Like it, like people are coming to me now and telling me I didn't read this thing until you came along. Like mm-hmm. you're the, you're, you really gave this thing some life. I'm like, yeah, I did. Cause I just cut out all the
0: excess weeds and got rid of all the root rot. Come on. That's a garden joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you need to have new voices on things. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, we, you know, reading the X-Men, can you imagine if like there had been one person doing the X-Men since 1965?
1: I don't know. I mean, if I I feel like, if course, Claremont was still on X-Men, just
0: barfing word
1: balloons everywhere. I think I wouldn't have a too big of a problem with that. I'm like, yeah. oh, also the, like X-Men and Big Two usually have the same three or four guys for like decades anyway. So it's not that. It does similar. tend to
0: circulate. But yeah. yeah, but like, I'm I'm very, but the ones that I'm most excited about reading are now are when we're bringing new voices to them. Yeah, I, for I sure. Love like that,
1: that Starfire yeah. one looks awesome. That I'm not mm-hmm. Starfire, I, I love it. I'm like, this this is the kind of stuff that looks interesting. Because I mean, with yeah. superheroes, you have this, I mean, superheroes have kind of just become space cops. Like, yeah, I'm going to stop crime. And I'm like, you're going to defund the police over there? Because I've just hmm. researched what an LRAD costs and they need defunding. <laughs> and uh yeah no word on whether or not they've uh whether or not big two is uh gonna ha- you know g- approach harder storylines like that but like when you still tell the same three or four stories i get bored sorry i'm a yeah. human so yeah. when you start to see the newer voices even just bringing in the smaller scale stories like you know i'm not starfire or um that's a one look pretty cool too Ob- okay obviously i follow yoshi yoshitani um <laughs> So uh, yeah, just the new stuff. It's just it's exciting. It's like oh, good new things. Something other than space cops in tights. Great, awesome. Yeah,
0: love it. yeah. Well, how did you get interested in comics as a medium? Hmm,
1: interesting question. Um, okay, so I think I would call I would blame the Saturday morning cartoon block on Fox Kids way, way, way back in the day when you had X Men and the Tick, right? Because there were a mm. lot of shows on um you know on Saturday morning that uh you know were aimed at kids but a lot of them were they just didn't speak to me I mean I wouldn't even say they were bad because a lot of people find a lot of love in these shows but just didn't it just wasn't my jam I'm like no I want something different and x-men was different because x-men seemed really kind of adult and you know grown up they were talking about yeah. real hard stuff like mutant registration and like prejudice and racism on cartoons on tv I'm like this is hardcore And The Tick was basically a displaced adult swim show. All right. (laughs) OG Tick is based, like, it just, it seems like that was a show that really should not have been a Saturday morning cartoon. Because it is not even that it was, like, dirty or lewd or anything. It's just some of the jokes were just real highfalutin. Like, they made a joke about um, the bat dude who was named Deflator Mouse. And I'm like, wow, that that required an art history degree to get that joke. Like
0: like, what I love, what I loved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the kids cartoon and in the original comics, he's called that. And then when they decided to make the TV show with actors, like not the current TV show with actors, but the TV show with actors from, I don't know, was it 10 years ago or so? They gave him Batman. Well, yes. So they're like, now we believe that you are less educated than than children. We're going to give you a name that has less cultural references than things that we gave to small children because we believe our audience is dumb. And I shake um, my head. Um,
1: that, okay, but if you want to look at it from another angle, I think Batman Well just got more of an actual audience reaction. Because Deflator Mouse required you to bust out Wikipedia and go, wait, what? What is he called that? Why He's like, you have to stop and get out your phone, and I get it. It's important to educate people, but at the same time... It is a goofy superhero show and it's you get I like when I first heard Batman Well, I freaking died laughing. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) He's Batman Well is my favorite Batman. Well short of Lego Batman. Lego Batman, then Batman Well. And then the maid from Empowered.
0: Definitely good to have like a Latino actor in the actual central cast. Like, thank you very much, right? That's important. So well, I, I want to. I, I really have to say, like that. That's so true for a lot of folks. Like that, you know, TV TV animated shows of that era, like being a gateway for getting into the comics medium, for sure. Absolutely. So uh, my story's not over. So
1: as um, you know, Saturday morning to take that that got me at least interested in comics. But remember, comic book shops were are well, I mean, not were that still are still are yeah. Comic book shops are not easy for just anyone to get to. And mm-hmm. I was a kid who didn't have access to comic book shops. Like, I I would have had to get on a bus and walk for a mile, which, when you're a tiny little child, is not a thing you're allowed to do so much. So um, I didn't actually get physical comics in my hand until I was like maybe 14 or so. And by that point, the Sailor Moon bug bit me. Oh, she bit me hard. Oh, girl. I didn't, I didn't even think I was even going to like Sailor Moon, and I have become a lifelong Sailor Moon fan. Oh, my stars. Sailor Moon came on TV, and that was the end of my life. I was like, I am reborn as a Sailor Moony forever. <laughs> um, hi, I literally have Sailor Mars sitting in my Christmas cactus right now. Of course, I'm a Sailor Moon head. Like, that show I love because it was girly and bubblegum, but it actually showed girls doing stuff in a way right. that wasn't like... You know, meant to like titillate. I mean, well, that's a stupid thing to say because they were miniskirts, but but it's true. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. the miniskirt. You though they were on like these little tiny short schoolgirl but, yeah. miniskirts, but at the same time, the show still focused on the central characters' relationships. It, I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it was about boys, but it wasn't about it was about boys in a way that's messy 14-year-old girl relatable and not I'm a corporate dude pushing a heteronormative agenda. Do you see
0: the difference? It didn't have like a male gaze looking up her skirt kind of. So she she can wear a mini skirt and have it not be gross because nobody's literally trying to look up her skirt. Exactly. Like, I mean, granted,
1: the audience was definitely trying to look up her skirt, but nobody in the show was. So that's the difference. But I mean- yeah, I loved Sailor Moon growing up, and um, I followed that into Toonami Land. and Sailor Moon was the gateway drug to my giant anime addiction, which, uh, yeah, any day now, I'll be recovering. Uh, <laughs> uh, I still haven't watched Promare. Damn, I should do that. Um, so anyway, that got me into manga, and manga got me into actual comics, because manga turned into web comics web comics turned into, into well i can afford graphic novels and go to i can actually go to comic book stores now um and so you know once i got you know, more money and more access to comics then i started getting more into big two and like graphic novels and stuff so yeah basically i got i fell into a pop culture tunnel that started with animation but you want to get kids into comics i feel like animation's a great place to start like that's the gateway drug that's the one.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, did you always draw yourself or, or when did you get started with taking that seriously? Well, gosh, um,
1: again, since Sailor Moon came out, I started drawing Sailor Moon fan art, obviously, because mm. I don't like I, I don't feel like you can watch Sailor Moon and not draw at least some Sailor Moon fan art. Everybody does it. But I, I just kind of kept going at it because I was like, "This is fun. I like drawing little Sailor Moon characters." And uh, and then Evangelion came out, and I'm like, ah, "This is awesome!" No, 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 wait, no wait. Final Fantasy VII, and then Evangelion wrecked my life. I didn't actually draw that much uh, Evangelion art, but definitely Final Fantasy VII came out. Oh man, a lot of Sephiroth fan art. A lot of gross Sephiroth stuff came out of that. Yup, yup, yup. Hmm. I'll just, I'll just own it. Yup. I still have a big old dirty gross crush on Sephiroth. Yep, call me Boo. He's a leather. I mean, come on, he's a villainous leather daddy who wants to destroy the world because Capital S destroyed it. Come on, that's very relatable. I'm like, I get you, Boo. Get you. Love <laughs> you. So, um, yeah, so that is uh when I started drawing. So I maybe like 14 is when I started just goofing around and doodling. But at around 18 or 19, I had um I had got the idea to start drawing my own little stories right and i had a little cyberpunk story that i was drawing it was very terrible it's basically terrible anime the comic there i saved you time mm-hmm. don't google it um <laughs> although hilariously my terrible webcomic cyberpunk story that i made way back in the early aughts yeah the main character morphed into mark trail yeah oh yeah. Wow. sorry, so sorry oh no but yeah every time i draw mark trail now i'm like no don't be the cyberpunk guy. Don't be the cyberpunk guy. Oh, ah, doc, crap. So yeah, basically I gave that guy a new job. Um, but um, but I started doing my own comics, and it wasn't until I visited an anime convention where I saw people publishing their own graphic novels where I was like, wait a minute, hold the phone. You can make a whole book by yourself, and you don't need to contact anybody else? You don't need to get an art team or nothing? You can just make a whole book? So that was illuminating for me. And that got me on the road to making my own web comics that, uh, you know, I mean, I took my I, I tried my hand at uh, making a couple of different series. And uh, eventually I found my groove with Love Jewels and Love Jewels is just my current comic strip that I put out. That's just, you know, me, my life. It's the autobio strip. But like, it's gotcha. not it's not. Oh, no, everything's sad. Feel sorry for me. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's a lot of call out. Mean stuff. And Love Jules is absolutely instrumental in getting me the Mark Trail gig because Love Jewels did two things or does two things pretty well. Number one, science education, which you mm-hmm. wouldn't think. But no, I work it in. I'm like, what? You, you bitches need equations. What? So, uh, and then the other side is action pieces, right? Because, you know, the, the Jewels character, the me character, is a fighter, obviously. <laughs> People are being stupid. Well, guess I got to pick up a stick and figure it out. Hit hmm. him with a rock. Like, yes, there's a lot of violence and fisticuffs in my comic, so I don't do it in real life. Look, I'm, I'm so well adjusted. Um, but uh, but yeah, so eventually all that webcomic stuff just eventually turned into the Mark Trail offer. But also I did, you know, other freelance comic stuff along the way, too, because I needed to eat and have food and make money.
0: Yeah, yeah. I definitely recognized your name from from other work that had happened. So. Oh,
1: really, really excited.
0: Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and pro- probably from your autobiocomic because, you know, the, the web comics do get they do get around. I mean, what's great
1: about Love Jewels is that it's just a little slice of whatever and you read it in four panels and then you're done. Like the problem with my web comics in the past was doing a long form web comic in a story that people can't totally get invested in. You're going to be playing to an empty audience. That hurts. Oh, it hurts. It is very painful. So once, I mean, and I just started to love jewels. I didn't even start Love Jewels to like do anything, like, oh, I want to build a career. No, I mainly just made it to spitball and just have a me flavored thing out there. I'm like, yep, it's the me thing. It's Love Jewels. Go read that. Um, And it just kind of turned into, you know, the thing I became known for. And, uh, you know, even doing it has been a pretty life affirming experience for me. I feel like I, I've self actualized with Love Jewels. Is that weird to say? But it's it's true. I feel like I've definitely honed my personal philosophies to allow me to live in a way where I can be firm and set boundaries and not allow clowns in my life, but also in a way that I can maintain peace. Because if you have a game plan for how you're going to handle a stupid person, then you're fine. Because it's like it's like being in the military. Just fall back on your training, right? Well, if you lay out your hmm. own game plans, then you got your training. So now I know if somebody asks me in the wild, hey, so where are you from? The Bronx. And they're not stupid enough. They're not smart enough to pick up that note. Like, back off, Back it
0: up. You
1: better not. I like that. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, making
0: your own art and telling your own story is yeah. part of processing the world Real. and how you want to interact with it. I love it. That's really great. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Is there anything I haven't asked
1: you that I should have? Uh, you can ask me about my awesome new graphic novel coming out next year. And, uh, it, Tell and me. Uh, coming up in February.
0: Valentine's
1: Day, boo-boo.
0: Ooh-ooh. That's right. Are next next year is interested- very
1: soon. <laughs> I just have a <laughs> few me questions about for you. It. Are you interested in romance, sci-fi, yes. Yes. and flower explosions? I mean, of course. There we go. I love go. my psychedelia. We I got you it. on board. Okay. So 200 is my graphic novel that I co-wrote with Jennifer Brody. And it's coming out in uh, in probably February. I don't know if it's actually the 14th, but definitely early February. It's going to be coming out real quick. So um, that is the story of in a world where we've defeated death and disease, people can live forever. But at about the age of 200, your brain starts to go. So the main character in the story is forced to take a test in order to determine if you can go on into um, immortality or if you need to be euthanized by the government. <laughs> Ooh. So if you're looking for really hilarious sexy coronavirus per- uh, imagery, I, I kind of low-key referred to this book as Sexy Coronavirus, the graphic novel, because <laughs> um, it does have a lot of people in medical masks and a lot of... Um, you know, planned death, like actually the Two Lights Highway where they show all the bodies getting um destroyed. It was actually based on the images that came out of Hearts Island from uh, all the deaths from coronavirus. Yeah. Just yeah. throwing it out there. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, so it's about this crazy woman, main character, and she's a Latina and uh, loves skateboarding. Well, there's more like hoverboarding. She loves hoverboarding hmm. and uh, justice and fighting for her man. And as she's going into the facility, she thinks she sees her husband. And that's when everything goes crazy. It's when she's like, wait a minute, it's my husband. And then big crazy romance, flower explosion, action chase sequence in, uh, ensues. And yes, of course, there's a leather daddy villain because somebody reminded me of Sephiroth. And I'm like, Oh, right. The book needs a Sephiroth. Yeah,
0: we got a Sephiroth. Well, I'm excited to check this book out in February. It's so funny when you said next year, my brain is like 12 months from now. But no, you mean very soon. Very
1: next. It seemed, I, yeah, I said next year and I thought to myself, that sounds like way more time than actually it is. We're only talking like two months from now, guys. Two months. Well, I'm
0: excited to check it out. What's it called again? It's called Two Hundred. It's uh, 200. by
1: yeah, two hundred. I'll be happy to provide a uh, a link for uh, anyone who's interested. There's a little um thing set up on my website explaining about the book. Uh, I'll put the trailer up there. Yes, I recorded a trailer. Um, it's it's an After Effects. It came out really neat. I'm very proud of it. And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited for it to be coming out. I'll be pushing it a lot on social media. Coming out soon. Oh, I'll bet. So tell my listeners where can they follow your work online? Okay. Well, if you'd like to follow me on uh Instagram, I'm love.jules J O O L Z uh on Instagram. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm just my name Jules Rivera at just Twitter at handle at Jules the, Rivera. I managed to get my name. Case. I got yeah. in early. Um, mm-hmm. I was a really early adopter. Um on uh, Facebook, don't find me on Facebook. I don't want to talk to anyone on Facebook. <laughs> That's your um, <her> friends. Yeah. <laughs> but on TikTok, I'm just love jewels without the dot. So, uh, yeah, uh, just find me on either of those social media networks. Uh, if you want to look me up on my website, I'm at www.julesrivera.com. I have an form email there. And if you'd like to send me messages about, uh, you know, anything that you heard, I have a disclaimer on there basically saying that if you want to um, complain to me about Mark Trail, I will abuse your information and make and humiliate you publicly. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to say it, like, private information, obviously, but I will definitely read your letters out loud for other people's entertainment. Like, I'm doing
0: that. You want to find out?
1: So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, people
0: um, people need to stop being fucking abusive and close-minded, and and you know, you get to do what it takes to to create a social penalty for doing that to someone. It's legit. So.
1: Uh yeah, basically. So I'm like, well, now you're subscribed to my mailing list, and also, if I, I'm just gonna, if, uh, as part of the disclaimer, I'm like, well, I'm gonna ha- pass you along to my email admin, who I'm bringing in to help me uh, do my email mailing list. Um, I'm going to pass you along to my email admin and uh, she knows all the weird porn subscri- places to subscribe your email to. So, uh, yeah. Bye, <laughs> Uncle Dios! And where can folks read Mark Trail? Folks can read Mark Trail on the Comics Kingdom website at www.comicskingdom.com or check out your local newspapers. If your local newspaper does not have Mark Trail and they have not been made aware of how amazing the new Mark Trail is, please get in contact with them and let them know to start carrying Mark Trail because
0: it is lit! Thank you so much for joining us. This is fabulous. And to my listeners, as we like to say, keep it geeky. And you will always find Graphic Policy Radio on all of the podcast platforms, pretty much. If you ever don't see us on your podcast platform of choice, let me know at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn on Twitter, because we want to be wherever it is you're listening. And don't forget to check out graphicpolicy.com for comics news and reviews, geek culture information and more. And yeah, you can always hit me up at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn on Twitter. Bye.